said earlier, they came to to being at peace with where they were. Mm. They came to being happy with where they were. And saying, you know what, there's nothing wrong with the place that I'm in. All of these ideas of where I should be and blah, blah, blah. That's just ideas. There's just ideas that I've adopted that have been given. Like there, there's not necessarily any truth to it because your life is your life mm. and nobody can tell you what that's supposed to look like. Right. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Another day, another podcast. Yes, indeed. Um, Okay, so I don't even really know what we're talking about in the sense that this one is so open. We've had such a pre-discussion about this. Yeah. But I think we came to some really cool points about this all. And I think ultimately it's going to lead somewhere cool. Mm -hmm. And I know that what we talked about was really valuable. I think seeing this all come together is going to be neat. Mm -hmm. But um, we decided to title this one, The Problem With Where You Are. Yes. And uh, there's kind of some poetry to this, but you'll see it as it unfolds. Yeah, there, the, the title is a, a little bit of clickbait, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit misleading. And I don't want to necessarily hang on to the punchline for this one. I, I think that it kind of is useful for us to just establish that right from the beginning, which is that the problem with where you are is in some elements that you think that there's a problem. That's part of what this is about. And I also want to just preface this one as well with where this topic kind of came from. And to give the cliff notes on this one, I had an actress reach out to me. Uh, I've never met her before, but she reached out to me because she was having some, some, struggles. She's submitting herself for different shows and projects and and this and that, but she has been having an issue getting an agent, which if you're an actor out there, or even if you're not an actor, (laughs) most people know it within our society that if you're an actor, an agent is, is a, an important thing. It's an important part of, of the process and, and having a career. And so she's been having a struggle with that. And this has been expressed to me a few times from this person. And I've tried to help as best I can. However, there is a certain kind of issue that comes up around all of this, which is why we're having this conversation. And what we'll get into, we might refer back to this story a few times as we go, but it was built on this foundation of this person really wants an agent, really is desperately wanting to have an agent to a point that it is causing them a great deal of distress in their lives. And that is the thing that I really want to address in all of this thing, because there's nothing wrong with getting an agent. I want this person to have an agent. (laughs) You know, I I want them to have this thing. But there was this thing that struck me about it that was saying, 
But in the meantime, live your life. Mm. You know, you need to have a life. And I think this is a common thing with a lot of people who are in the arts. And the arts are, are I think, for in, in context to all of this, there's not really a whole lot different that separates somebody who goes for a life in the arts and, or a person who, who chooses to not do that. It's still people living lives and still dealing with the same struggles and problems. I feel like there's just a kind of in not enhancement, but there's just something a bit more exaggerated or a little bit more brought out to the forefront when someone chooses a life in the arts that brings out some very human problems to the surface, but we just kind of get to see them a little bit more obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're not uh you're not as in control as an artist, you know, it's not a, it's not as much art is not so entangled with the industry and the economy the way that you know an industry job is i mean like if your job is to build a house you know there's a certain amount of um, steps that are required to complete that to see a finished project to be able to move on from that um, for satisfaction to be met around that with art it's not so cut and dry it's not so clear and you know um, one, like, you know, you, you know, there's, um, many new developments, right? If you go to a new development, especially these days, you'll tend to look across the developments and you'll start to see that every house is kind of built the same. Like they Mm -hmm. all work from a very similar blueprint. And what they do is they kind of have, um, a general blueprint they use, and then they change that blueprint. They might mirror it on another house they mm-hmm. might decide to put a living room in the in the back and then one in the front. But what ends mm-hmm. up happening is the basic structure of the house is almost exactly the same as the next. Right. And when you look at like a duplex, which is a house made for two families to live in at once, but they're attached, you start to notice that the duplexes are all kind of the same, you know? Right. Um, and so I think there's this replicatable kind of quality to material, um, industry-based, industrial-based, I should say, um, things like that. Whereas the arts is not, it's not so much like that. Like one performance that's an Oscar winner may never win another Oscar again, because the, you know, what we need now is a new type of performance. And, and there's this constant newness and this freshness and mm-hmm. this whole thing. And so I think if we approach the arts, like that, the way one problem is solved is the way another can be solved. We end up banging our heads against the wall going like, what the heck, what am I doing wrong? I did everything I was told to do or everything I thought was right. And it's like, it doesn't really work that way. In some ways, the reason why we're even having this way of the artist talk is that the only way to do it right is your own way. And that has to be discovered, not something you can replicate, not something you can copy, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, you, you, you can get into this more, but I think like with this woman's struggle and, you know, same struggles I have, it's like, we just get caught because we go like, well, I did everything I was supposed to do, but it's not working out and it's challenging. Yeah. And, and of course with, with this young woman's struggle, it was something I, I, could definitely relate to from my own experiences as an actor, uh, some of the challenges, not, 
some of the details a little bit different, but I can relate a lot to to a lot of the, the sentiment and and the desire for opportunities and and these and as you said, there is this thing in our culture of of I did all of this this kind of linear thinking about about things, which is just like, well, I did this and I did this and I did this, you know, I did everything right. I went to, to school, I worked hard, I got good grades, I got graduated, I started uh, getting some experience here and there. I should be here. I should have this right now. And this is a lot of what we were talking about leading up into this conversation we said, well, what's the, what's the problem at, at the crux of this? Because we're going to get into what a lot of the symptoms are, but what is the actual problem itself that we're dealing with? And really the issue is not being able to accept where we are in our lives. Hmm. Having a resistance to where we are in our lives. And I've, I've, read it from a Dan Millman book who said that stress is resistance to what is. Hmm. And I would, I would, I would give a thumbs up to that, that sentiment from my own experience of, uh, usually when I'm in some state of distress, I am, I am resisting what's happening. Hmm. The thing that is actually occurring. And when this occurs, that this drums up all of our, uh, judgments and comparisons and shoulds, you know, from, from our past and, and whatever we can, there's a, it's a very dangerous kind of path to go down and it doesn't lead to anything good mm-hmm. really for the most part. And so this young woman really just struck me with this thing where it was, she doesn't have this agent and she's making it a a huge problem. Is it a problem? Yeah, it's, it's in some ways a problem, but it was just her, her feeling in the, in her communication was so, it was so fervent. It was so urgent. It was so painful in how it was communicated. And I thought it really doesn't have to be this painful because within that same message, she communicated how she has been able to get herself out there for, for projects with, with big people in the industry. So there was a degree to which she said, well, there's still opportunities happening. You know, so for one, there's, there's a kind of lack of appreciation of, of what's going on there and what you're able to do there. But also, and you had mentioned this before we started, was that even if she gets the agent, there's no guarantees that come out of that. And in fact, with that can come a, an entirely new set of problems and challenges. And I've definitely heard a lot of them over the years that I've been in the industry. You know, my agent, uh, you know, I don't trust my agent. I don't think my agent's working hard enough for me. I don't think they're submitting me for enough. I don't think they're fighting hard enough for me. You know, all of this kind of stuff. So there's this, now there's a whole brand new stress that can, that can come with it. Hmm. And especially when I see such a, 
such a strong need to have one, you know, such a strong, um, because that would lead to a kind of reliance, which is a dangerous place to, to, to be. Mm. Yeah. The, that rapper, I don't know, more money, more problems. More money. Oh yeah. That was more biggie. More money and more problems. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's, you know, I, I mean, let's, let's stop and try that on for a sec. What is that? I mean, you know, a lot of people believe that having money will solve their problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really deeply believe this, but you might actually find out that more money actually creates more problems mm-hmm. and getting an agent for this, this, this woman, I mean, may create more problems that are just as desperate and actually cause, um, more anxiety, more stress, more problems essentially in her life around that. Right. Because mm-hmm. what ends up happening is, you know, you go, well, the reason why I'm not having the career I want is because I don't have the agent. So you get the agent and then you're not getting into the auditions or you're getting into the auditions, but they're not for big enough parts or, you know, or whatever. And so what ends up happening is you just keep chasing the next thing and going, this next thing will solve my problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that, you know, this is where the kind of the progress part comes into it all is like progress is valuable, but progress as a means to solve problems is a very limiting point of way of looking at progress. Like, I think the thing is, is that, you know, whatever problems that we have, we need to not we need to almost embrace our problems and be thankful for what they are, whatever our Mm -hmm. challenges are. I mean, everybody is going to have challenges. Everybody's going to have problems. Um, you know, in the scheme of things, I mean, you know, it's a good problem to have, you know, your other problem could be like, I can't walk because, um, my wheelchair, because I, you know, broke my back doesn't, you know, doesn't move and I'm home alone, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm, or whatever, you know, like your problems are relative to you, you know? And so the amount of anxiety and stress we create about a problem is all very relevant to how we see ourselves. And so like, you know, I think there's a, there's a part of this, which is there's a certain amount of gratitude that's necessary. Like we need to kind of like look at where we're at and be like, okay, where I'm at is as much as I can handle at this moment. Mm -hmm. And like if she's getting anxious about not having an agent, I wouldn't want to see her getting anxious about not getting auditions or, you know, the next step, the next stage of the progress, the next stage of the process. You know, I think, um, I think that I actually often think that we don't get things we want because we're not ready for them. You know, like if we did get what we want, they would actually lead to our own destruction. Like, we can't handle them. And mm. so in some ways, we don't progress through the problems we have until we deal with the problem we have. And right. it's not about solving the problem. It's more about becoming at peace with the problem. Because here's yeah. the thing. If you can become at peace with whatever problem you have, then you're more likely to be able to come to peace with a bigger problem. But if you cannot come to peace with the problem you have, other than by solving that problem if a bigger problem comes along, you will actually be in more distress. So I think problems should be looked at not so much about being solved, but more about being 
We should be at peace with problems. Oh, mm-hmm. if this problem never resolves, I'm still okay kind of idea. I'm right. going to resolve it, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But she's not okay. You know, the way, yeah. the, and you've told me a little bit about how she communicated, right? It's like, she's not okay. But if she became okay, like, okay, maybe I never get an agent. Can I be okay with that? Yeah. Because once you're okay with that, I think what ends up happening is a lot of the problem solves itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the refusal, the resistance to a problem in many ways that persists. That's why it never goes away mm-hmm. because we're fighting it so hard, you know, that, that it actually just kind of maintains. But the moment, you know, you, you find this all the time. The moment you stop fighting something is the moment it stops fighting you back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to, to build off of that part of, of, sometimes dealing with a problem is in the understanding of the problem, which is, which kind of becomes the solution as opposed to trying to find an answer, which is often just a, a, a bandaid kind of thing that, that occurs. And I think that's part of what really want, got me to want to bring this up and, and kind of workshop this, if you will, which is that for this person, they, they think that the problem is that they don't have an agent, you know, and, and perhaps that the problem is that the industry is broken. You know, the problem is that, you know, uh, it's not, the industry is not as accepting or whatever of, of her, her type or whatever it is. And there's all, we could, come up with all kinds of problems, which I won't even necessarily disagree that there's a reality to them whatsoever. It's like, there's a lot of things which I, I'm, I was hearing from them and I said, yeah, I get it. I understand. And no, it isn't fair. Like I agree. It's not, it's not a fair system. It's not fair how a lot of this works, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change what is, you know, and And as is the case with this person, there's just so much pain and distress going on in this one, in this one thing, this one thing that they're, they're hanging on to so tight. And I really just wanted to go, you are, this is your life right now. Like you are living your life right now. You're having it like how much how much time do you want to, to waste being upset about this thing? You know, and this is not necessarily going to be something that, that is forever, but it's about what the cards are that you have, you know, and playing them as best you can. Mm. That's, that's really what this was all about because it was, it's just seems so if for me, it felt very urgent that this person kind of get on with their lives, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of get on with it. I understand. I have compassion. I have sympathy for it, but get on with it. Don't let this one thing ruin your life. Mm -hmm. Don't let this one thing prevent you from doing something that you love and are passionate about. Well, I also think don't hang your whole life up on one detail. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I think about the other side of this, which is like, what is this building in you? You know, 
it's building obviously resourcefulness. I mean, she was sharing about how she um, had submitted herself and she got, um, you know, she got attention and interest from a very big casting director in another city because of that. And she's being resourceful. If she had the agent, she wouldn't do that resourcefulness. Yeah. So she's developing resourcefulness. And, you know, I feel like if, if I'm not an authority on much, but if I'm an authority <laughs> on anything, I might say that resourcefulness is one of those things that I might say I'm an authority on in the sense of being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Because, man, I never had any handouts when it came to film, man. Like none. Mm-hmm. When I was 17, my dad said, if you move in with me instead of your mom, I'll buy you a camera and a computer so you can be a filmmaker. I moved in with my dad. Three months later, he said, you can buy your own camera and your own computer. I had to figure out how to get my hands on it. And I didn't have money. I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to get a camera. I had to figure out how to find an editing system. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can bitch and moan about how my dad did this. And it was shitty. You know, he broke a yeah. promise and it's not okay. But you know what? If I sit around thinking about how my dad's sabotaging my career and if I get all caught up in that I'm not going to do it so I got resourceful I started figuring out ways to um, get my hands on a camera get my hands on an editing machine Um, you know I remember one day I came into work I was working at a restaurant and my managers noticed I was really feeling down I was super just this was right right after my dad had basically said you're gonna have to figure out how to get your own shit Mm -hmm. And they, they noticed and they said, you know, my manager, he took me outside in the back. And he said, Brandon, what's going on? And I said, you know, I, and I was like at the brink of tears because I was like, you know, I moved out here to the city and, you know, and I, my dad said that he would help me get a camera and help me do this thing. And now he's totally saying that I can't, I can't get a camera. And I was like fucking devastated because I just didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, there's all sorts of actors and film people, you know, here at the restaurant, like we can ask them and maybe someone can help you get a camera. And I realized like, man, like there's so many options outside of this one way in which I knew or thought I had to get a camera. Yeah. So like her thing, like she's looking at an agent, like an agent is her path to auditions and a career. But because she's not getting an agent, she has the option now to see that there's other avenues. Mm -hmm. So it's a gift But if you look at it as a problem, if you look at it like, you know, the problem was the title, right? The problem with where you are is that you don't see that there are options, you know? Yeah. Like the problem is you're caught up and there's one path and one way. Yeah. You know, and I mean, my entire film career, the the projects I made beyond that were because of resourcefulness. So in some ways, you can look at my dad and say, what an asshole. (laughs) No, in some ways I still remember that Mm -hmm. it it pisses me off, but you know, in some ways it was a gift in a weird backhanded way. It was a gift because what it ended up giving me was resourcefulness, but he didn't give that to me. He just provided an opportunity for me to give that to myself. And that's a very important thing to remember because you can have people say, yeah, I screwed you over and I gave you the gift. No, you screwed me over. So I gave myself the gift. Mm -hmm. And that's very important. And she could give herself the gift of resourcefulness. But right now she's putting all her power on the agent, on one little tiny problem. And, and also the agent has all the power in her life if that happens. So the best thing I think that could happen for is she doesn't get the agent until she develops resourcefulness and then she can have an agent because if it happens any other way, it's going to shortchange her. Mm -hmm. But 
she's going to have to decide, do I want it bad enough? Am I willing to find it in my in myself? Or she's going to play a victim. And you know what, she's going to go around complaining her whole life that just didn't work out for her world's not fair, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, the world not being fair is sometimes your best gift. Yeah. And I mean, and part of this that you brought up in there is our expectation, which is often a a big part in this, you know, so often, we find ourselves at a place in our lives. And we say it's like, this is like, I'm supposed to be somewhere else by this stage in time. Right. And, and again, for artists, you know, artists dream big and most artists who get into it, you know, it's, it's dreams of, of Oscars and big stages and selling out arenas and, you know, big gallery showings and, and that sort of thing. And that's, and that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And it's, it can be a, a fantastic motivator to get, to get, the engines going, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get that, that early pursuit happening. But for most artists, it hits a point where suddenly you realize like, holy shit, this is a marathon. Mm-hmm. For most people, it's, it's a, it's a marathon. And we do see the situations where there are the people who come out of the gate and they're running a sprint and then they just burn out Yeah, and they're gone. They dis and they just disappear after a little while. And we say, whatever happened to, and they do TV shows about whatever happened to, uh, <laughs> and then you have the stories of those people who just, they, they kept at it. They were persistent. They, they felt setbacks and, and, and questioned at times what they were doing, why they were doing it. Did they still have it in them to continue on with this? And way later in their careers, something happened, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and something busted wide open or for other people, it's, they discovered that this really wasn't what they wanted. It really wasn't what they thought. And they don't have, have that they have a love for it, but not that kind of love for it. Mm -hmm. And through it still end up usually discovering a path, discovering what they were meant to do, mm-hmm. what they do have a real passion for. They're not unrelated or unconnected things. It's just that we don't, we don't get to see what that picture is mm-hmm. in advance. You know, that, that doesn't, that's not the way that it works. And the, it more so works with us being present with our lives, being present with what is going on. And that's a lot of what this talk is about. You know, I think uh, there's another thing that I'm recognizing here. There's a problem with vision that mm. that's going on because, um, you know, vision's a big thing for me. And I, I think about it often and it's I, I, I tailor a lot of my coaching and mentoring around vision. But one of the lessons that I've had to learn about vision and I always try to impart on people is that vision is not a it's not something that you, you necessarily see the whole picture of. If anything, like vision in some ways is almost not even the right way to, to describe it because like you can only see so if you're walking down a path or down a trail or going down a road, you can only see to the horizon, but like our dreams are, our visions are usually far, far beyond the horizon. But I think we have to remember with vision is that well, I only see to the horizon. And right now, 
based on what I see, I think this is what I need. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and maybe we don't even see to the horizon. Maybe we have many obstacles in our way. So we, yeah. we only see like a very short distance. And you know what? Other things like, let's just take this analogy a little further. Let's say other things like factor in like weather and whatnot, like things that mm-hmm. obstruct your view. So vision is one of those things where you really at a certain point, you just have to trust that what you think you see in the future is enough to get you to where you're going, but it doesn't have to look the way you think it's going to look. Right. You know, um, when my, I'll go back to the story when my dad said, you know, you have to figure out how to get your own camera. It disrupted my vision for a moment because Mm -hmm. I had this, this picture in my head that I would move in with my dad. He would help me get a camera and a computer and I'd be off filmmaking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, I'm moving with my dad. All that part's real. And now no camera, no money to get a camera, no computer. And all of a sudden, um, my vision's like, this can't happen because it can't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult thing. That's a difficult part of vision. But I think vision is kind of one of those things where unforeseen obstacles present themselves on your path. Mm -hmm. And Vision is having the ability to see that there is some, even though you can't see past the obstacle, that you, that you believe there's a way around it. And also that sometimes the solution is not the same as what you thought it was. Meaning that like getting the agent doesn't solve the problem. So you can't get hung up or it's not wise to get hung up on one thing, you know, resourcefulness is, I think, you know, you're, you're going along and then you find out you can't go the way you wanted to go. And what you do is you start to find other ways. And you know what she might end up finding out. And we talked about this. She might end up finding out that if the Toronto or whatever other city decides, Hey, we're, we want to cast you in this. And all of a sudden she needs an agent. <laughs> She's not going to have a problem finding an agent yeah. that wants to take 15% of what she makes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, that's, this is how screenwriting works, by the way. Anybody who's interested in being a screenwriter, very, very rarely do you ever get an agent before you sell a script. Mm-hmm. You actually get a script option or sale and then you get an agent. Right. You have to actually more often than not get your first sale. And then once an agent finds out that you're up for sale, then they're willing to jump on board and help you do the legal stuff. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, they think, you know, and it's, it's kind of the, the, the horse and the wagon, you know, what comes first. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, I think she's trying to go like, okay, well the agent solves my problems. It's like, no, in many ways you need to make the agent will come along at a certain point you know, go do some indie films, go do some great performances, go do some things where if you put that in front of an agent where they went, I have to rep this person. I mean, maybe your answer is get on an indie film that wins some awards and shows how great of an actress you are. And then when you're an award-winning actress, you can go into the agency and say, you need to get me out for leading roles. I mean, I took an actress in my course who'd never made a film before. And she won, I think something like 20 plus, I don't know, it was 20 plus awards for one film, including best actress, best screenplay, best director, best whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but she just decided to front end her work. She decided to take responsibility. I mean, I can, I can say like I helped guide her, but in some ways she showed up with the willingness, 
you know, that opens up doors. Now she has an option. Now she has, she, she was for a little period in time, it was, everyone was just like, have to see this film, have to meet this person. Yeah. Right. And then the thing is, is then you go down, I'll just take this a little further. You go down the road, you go, okay, well, I have to win awards with my film. <laughs> well, then you got another problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what it's about. Yeah. And, in, and in those kinds of things, those kinds of expectations and pressures, they, they normally end up just strangling you. Yeah. You know, they, they end up suffocating you and you're not able to, to create with very much freedom when you kind of put that type of pressure on yourself, you know, and, and usually it's the, our own pressure. Yeah. Well, we don't mostly contending with, we have to consider like, what do we actually control and what do we not control? Mm -hmm. You know, because I mean, I can, I can talk about this story about this actress who never made a film and went off and won 20 awards and got her best actor awards and all this stuff. I can talk about that, but you know, she didn't control that. She didn't control that she would win those awards. And when we were talking about her script, never once did we ever have a discussion about if her film would win awards or whatever? Yeah. It was only going through it and being as authentic and real as we could to tell her story that it turned out that she honored that authenticity. And what ended up happening is people responded to that. Yeah. She could control her authenticity. She could control her passion, her desire to share her message to communicate how people responded to that, the accolades it gets all out of our control. And we really got to like, kind of, you know, it's about territory. It's about where is your territory? That's your realm of control. And where are you not in control? And mm-hmm. we got to stop trying to control things that we don't control that are not in our territory. Yeah. Because but, yeah, it create because that creates all kinds of anxiety. Right. But here's the thing, man. And you know, this as much as I do, if you own your territory, people pay attention. Yeah. Right. That. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, if she was a filmmaker and not an actress and she was talking to me, I would say, well, what's your territory? What what territory can you own? Mm-hmm. What territory is going to can you make yours that we can see you in your zone so we can see that? Yeah. You know, that's what's going to help eyeballs get on you because that's really what you're trying to do yeah it's, yeah. it makes me think of it's our the law of expression mm-hmm. as well in all of this and totally i i remember seeing a little from years back it was like a gq article and it was them talking about like you know some of the best the best actors of our generation at the time this was this was a while ago but uh they actually put john c Riley in this list and one of the movies that they had referenced was his performance in Magnolia, which is, you know, a lot of people know John C. Riley for his comedy and stuff. That was kind of how he really became big. But if you if you haven't seen Magnolia, it's it's quite a movie. But his performance in it is it's a dramatic one. And it's it's heart wrenching mm. what he does in, in that movie. And when he was asked about it, it's like, yeah, there he said, well, you know, you've been doing all these kind of small parts for a long time. And now things are starting to, to really pick up for you. And his response was, it's like, well, I've always saw every part that I've done as being the main character in, in their own life, in their own story, in the context of this. 
And he said, I've always just tried to dedicate myself to my own little corner of the sky. Mm. Right. And I thought that was so such a beautiful little sentiment. He's like, I'm dedicated to my corner of the sky in, in whatever I, I, I'm doing. And that's so much about what expression is, you know, for whatever our opportunities are that are present, that, that we, that we do them fully, you know, and, and appreciate and enjoy as much as we can, wherever we are, not making that, that wrong, not saying, oh, this part's too small, or, you know, I would rather be doing this part. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you have this part. And we've seen what's happened to his career. He's had an, an incredible career and continues to have an incredible career. But he started out as a, as, as a struggling person, uh, actor who just committed themselves to, to whatever they had, whatever that was, was given to them and offered to them and, and did a really terrific job. And people took notice of it. You know, people said, man, look at that guy. He's mm -hmm. really good. Like that was really moving that, or that was really funny. Like they just, they, they nailed it and they continue to do great work, you know? And I think that that comes to, you know, to a large degree, a positive attitude, you know, and not like a phony positive attitude of, of just being like, all right, just be thankful of this, but not really being mm. thankful, you know, or grateful or, or having appreciation for what's going on. Yeah. That's such a great reminder, especially like for me right now, that's such a great reminder because, you know, being in the film industry for like rounding 20, almost 20 years now, it's like, man, like there's so many things that get taken for granted and I forget, you know, um, and that story about owning your little corner of the sky, you know, like taking that, I mean, I'm thinking about that in my own life and I'm going, man, some places I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, it just kind of was a little yeah. bit of uh, me kind of recognizing. Cause I remember when I was just starting and I remember, you know, getting my first, my first few roles in, in, in television and in commercials and things and how meaningful and important that was. And, you know, I think what ends up happening is you do bigger roles and you move on and make bigger pictures and whatnot. And, what happens is there's a kind of like a expectation that it always needs to be this big thing. And, you know, when I, when I stop and I really kind of let myself appreciate a role, I realize that sometimes it's not a small role. I'm just being a small actor. Mm. And, um, it's a really good reminder for me, you know, because I think also, you know, you mentioned that, like, especially being in the arts, but being in the film industry in particular, it definitely is a marathon. And, you know, there's certain times where it's going to be lean years. It's going to be times where it's not like everything isn't just like pumping at all cylinders and it's not just all working. And, you know, you might be going for smaller parts or doing smaller gigs or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, I went from directing a television show to directing music videos. I mean, it's not because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm better than I ever was, but it's just like what was available, you know, what was available for a directing yeah. job, what was available, you know, um, also the industry changed. I mean, basically, you know, I remember, and this, I'll just share this because, you know, this is part of my journey, but I remember being this, um, you know, when I was younger as an indie filmmaker and we were all so excited 
because we were like, digital film is coming in and anybody can make a film. And then Netflix came around and it's like so much more content can get out there. And then what ended up happening was a repercussion that we didn't expect was that movie stars would start becoming television stars. Mm. But before that, movie stars there were movie stars and television stars yeah they were different and the movie star was a higher caliber considered in the industry now you might even say that being a television star in some ways is the way to go because there's more money more there's more of a a chance to build a relationship with your audience there's all sorts of things but and there's less of a stigma now too right of making that it used to be a really big stigma of of television stars going to like movies it was almost unheard of there was only a few people who made that transition and now and if you went back from movies to television it was like death in your career yeah you know that's what it used to be yeah but here's the thing i mean this is maybe partly why i bring this up is that we think that solving one problem solves the problem. We don't realize that solving that problem sometimes creates other problems and sometimes greater problems yeah. that we didn't foresee. You know, Alan Watts talks about this all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that story about how we used uh, um, that? Oh, oh, DET. DET. Yeah, it was, it, it was a pesticide that they used back in the day to yeah like help the crops kill kill bugs and stuff like that and was supposed to you know improve everyone's lives crop yields would be much much greater and all of this stuff and then it started just wiping out bird populations <laughs> started out with a good intention started out with you know a good idea in mind but it ended up creating a massive problem and they and had to stop also, using it it also started causing cancer or something like that too. yeah there was all kinds of issues with it I, right. I I don't know all of them. I know that I think one of the major ones, though, was that it was wiping out bird populations. Right. It was just severely toxic to birds. And I guess in that way, it would probably also have massive toxic effects to people as well. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I think that, you know, part of the thing is, is that the solution that we think is is the way mm-hmm. is sometimes the, you know, the problem, a greater problem than the problem itself. I had a business coach for a little bit, and when I just started my business, I remember boasting. I'm like, I could sell ice cubes to Eskimos and all of this, you know. And uh, <laughs> I don't think that's very PC anymore. Yeah, not, <laughs> but he but he pointed out to me. He said, "Well, he's like maybe that. Oh, so okay, so maybe that's true because I was selling a lot. I mean, it was like boom, every single day sales, mm-hmm. just sales, sales, sales. I was having rooms of people sign up for my courses, and." Um, he pointed out, he said, well, you know, would you, would you want to take money from say like an old woman knowing that she wouldn't be able to eat, but you would make that money? Would you want to do that knowing that she didn't really need what you had to offer or something? And he used this and I said, no, I wouldn't want to do that because you should be careful. Consider being careful about this mm. comment you're saying that you could sell something to someone they don't even need. And I, and that hit me and and I, and I, I don't really think I was, mm-hmm. but it really made me put into check, you know, um, do I want to be the kind of person that does that? And, you know, th- th- here's the thing. I have personal goals. I want to make money. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted mm-hmm. to do things for myself, but at what cost? And that really made me reevaluate. And my entire enrollment process altered in a way which was really good. And I shared this on another podcast. 
but I qualify people now. Now I look at people, I go, you cannot even be in my course unless we figure out that you actually need it. Yeah. And if you don't, I'm, I'm giving you your papers. You can go, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's like this call, this conversation, if it's not a fit, I'm so quick to like kick people out. Yeah. And the thing is when it's happening is they have to confront, is this what they actually want? And this gives me a certain amount of peace, you know, and I, I've been, I've been working through this and figuring out better ways to do that. But, you know, I think sometimes we need to look at what we want and we need to consider that it's not just about us. It's not just about what we want. I mean, you know, here's another thing. Let's just say that, you know, she wants an agent, right? This actress wants an agent and the agent can only take on so many people. And there's another, there's another actor out there who also wants an agent, right? Of course there mm-hmm. is. So if she gets that spot, that other person loses the spot. Yeah. Now, we might not care about this other person. We might just be like, me, 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 me. But when you get a spot, when you get an opportunity, are you even going to be grateful for the fact that you took a spot on that bench, on that team, on that place? You know, I mean, that's something that we need to consider because I think there's a lot of people who they're like, I want, 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 and I don't care the effects as long as I get what I want. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I think the universe goes, believe what you will, think of it as you will. But I think there's a balance that ends up happening and where things don't happen when things don't happen for people when they're, when they are not factoring in the fact that their lack of gratitude, like you talk to, you know, talk to just about any spiritual coach, talk to any, like, you know, all my mentors, any mentor I've ever met at the end of the day, it's always gratitude. If you're not grateful, a well of problems will occur in your life. And I think that gratitude is this, you know, I get caught in it all the time. I mean, but gratitude is one of those things. I'm going to share one more story just to finish this point off. I was just talking to a friend. She shared with me that she had not been mobile and things had things had kind of um, been really difficult on her because she ended up getting like a, um, a, a sickness that gets into your blood. And mm. what it does is it shuts down your joints and you can actually die from it. Ooh. And she had recovered and she was kind of saying, you know, um, I'm so grateful to have my health. And we were just talking about that. And she really helped me to realize is like, yeah, like how often do I just take for granted the fact that I'm healthy, the fact that I have my limbs, the fact that I can whatever, just, you know, and there's things we can always appreciate. But I think what happens is we have problems. And without the gratitude of what we do have, and keep going for more. I need this. I need that. We never learn the lessons of gratitude. And I think gratitude is such an important point before you solve a problem. You need that gratitude because if you don't have it and then problems become greater and you keep reaching and reaching and reaching, you know, there is a point where you might, you might basically like reach, 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 and then you lose something And you realize, man, I had it so good, but I never saw it when I had it that good. 
Mm-hmm. That's why you got to learn gratitude before it gets as good as it can get. You know, that's why I think it's important to get gratitude right now, mm-hmm. no matter where you're at. Yeah. Gratitude and, uh, and humility yeah. to a certain degree there as well. I mean, you know, I think there's this, I, I struggle with this all the time. I mean, I, and I get caught in this. I think it's just our societal programming, but I really do at times believe that if I get this thing or do this thing, that it's going to make everything okay. Yeah. And it's such a weird little mind fuck because it's like, it's not, that's, everything is okay. But like my obsession with needing this thing to be okay is my disconnect from the mm-hmm. fact that it is all good right now. And I think your point was really like, and, and the, the struggle, you know, and the reason why you shared this story was that you had this woman and she's not enjoying her life right now because it's all about getting that agent, you yeah. know? And then, and then she believes, okay, well, and I get the agent, I'll enjoy my life. But we know we've been in this long enough that that's not going to solve it. You're going to get the agent that might feel good for a little bit. And pretty soon you're going to be in the exact same place you were. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be something else to be discontented about. Yeah. You know, because it's this, this never ending game that we play with ourselves that doesn't, there's no winning. No, there's no winning at this game. That's, that's the thing when, when we get caught in, in this one and someone that, that, not so much anymore, but someone who I still appreciate that we used to reference a little bit is uh, Frank Kern, who is, you know, one of these internet, he was one of the original internet business gurus, but now he's, he's more of like a motivational speaker, I guess, than he is necessarily like a... Well, he still runs a, an online marketing business, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's become, yeah. he's become a celebrity in, in, you know, in the world. So yeah, I mean as a speaker, he advises a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he shared in this, in this one talk that he did of, of when he started some of his first companies that really took off. And suddenly he had all of the money that he had dreamed of having. He had the house and he had, you know, he, he had every car that there was, you know, he had a Porsche and a Ferrari and and then, you know, he got rid of those. He had a Lamborghini and he got rid of those. You know, he was getting these momentary things, but was just never, never happy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, his unhappiness grew worse. Yeah. It got worse and worse. He had more than he'd ever had. He had, had everything he dreamed of and he was never more miserable in his entire life. And it caused him to reevaluate some things, you know, and there's a degree to which when we hear stories like that, you go, yeah, but still you got to, you know, you got to have yeah. your millions and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so it was only because you had, you still got your millions that you were able to do it. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that's an absolute fallacy. Cause there, I feel like for as many stories as there are like that, there are stories of people who were down on their luck, had, next to nothing, things were not working out for them. And then they, as you said earlier, they came to, to being at peace with where they were. Mm. They came to being happy with where they were and saying, you know what, there's nothing wrong with the place that I'm in. All of these ideas of where I should be and blah, blah, blah. That's just ideas. They're just ideas that I've adopted that 
have been given, like there, there's not necessarily any truth to it because your life is your life mm. and nobody can tell you what that's supposed to look like. Right. Your life is the life that it is right now. You know, that's what it is. And we can choose to, to be fully a part of it and in many ways celebrate our lives as it is. Mm -hmm. That is always available to us. Getting a little sidetracked. So there's been people who have been in that place of being down and then come to a place of recognizing that something is, that their lives are already kind of wonderful as it is. And that they don't need this thing to be happy. Mm. And then that's when something happens. <laughs> and they and they get that sort of that big vision that they'd yeah. always dreamed of. So it works it works both ways, but there's a, there's a commonality where they there's still something that has to be confronted that exists within so much of our society, so much of our our programming and how we think about things that is really important to address. And, and that's some of what we're trying to address on this episode and what we've been trying to address in a lot of other episodes as well is, you know, what are these, these things that, that get in the way of us le le leading and living full creative lives, mm. you know, that are, that have a, a sense of, of well-being and joy to them, you know, despite everything that's going on. Mm. How do we, how do we find that? How do we do that in our lives? And I think that that's, um, that's what we try and talk about on this show. That's what we're trying to, to, to somehow, how speak of, not that there's an answer to these things, but that, we need to really look at these things. There's a, a, a quote that I saw a little while ago and it was saying, maybe you should doubt your doubts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought that was really, there's something really mm. beautiful about that. You know, like we're, we're full of doubts. We're full of these fears and we give ourselves all kinds of reasons as to why we should buy into that story or these fear stories, you know, whether that's protection, survival, you know, we need to do, we need to defend ourselves, you know, and, and it, all it does is to, inf is enforce a really, uh, a really fatalistic view of the world and view of our lives. So in, in this whole thing of this, this young woman, this actress who has this major crisis in their life that they don't have an agent. I mean, I think it speaks to something that we all deal with to a certain degree, which is looking at something that we don't have. Yeah. You can relate to this in anything. I mean, it could be, I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a job. I don't have a thing, right? There's I don't have here in Vancouver with the cost of living. There's people who are like, like, Oh, you know, I'm, I have some friends. They, they live in like this beautiful giant, like three bedroom apartment. And, and they're like, Oh, sometimes they're like, Oh, we don't have a house. <laughs> and I mean, it's like in, and 
here in Vancouver, it's like, it's, it's, it is, it's insanely expensive for a house, but I mean, you know, there's, there's always these things that are, that are sometimes an operation that yeah. it's like, I don't have this thing and my life isn't good because I don't have it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, who says your life isn't good? Yeah. Well, you know, things don't, things don't always work out the way you think they're going to work out. That's, that's part of life, you know, and life is, uh, it's an adventure, man. I mean, you know, and how much you're willing to embrace the adventure is I think how much you're going to enjoy this ride. Um, there's a quote and I believe it's from the Tao Te Ching, which I just read, um, which was the journey of a thousand miles begins beneath your feet. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, that's the whole point of this talk is that, you know, wherever you want to go, it starts right here. You yeah. are where you are. I mean, and, you know, the thing is, is like, if, if it was as simple as walk a thousand miles and you will achieve your dreams, everybody would achieve their dreams, but it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, walk a thousand miles, but over cliffs, through valleys, past lava, you know, through rain and storms and winter, um, without food through deserts, you know, life has a variety of things that you're Mm -hmm. going to experience. I mean, and after a thousand miles, there'll be another thousand miles. Exactly. You know, it's like, the other thing too is that there's even a destination other than the one you're at right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I look back in my life, um, you know, thus far, I look back and I think, man, what's some, in, what were some incredible experiences along the way? And a lot of time I remember thinking, well, when I get here, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it'll be good. You know, I look back and I, I mean, I look back and I go, there are some great experiences that I had. And, you know, I think the, the, the wisdom or the lesson that I really learned was like, you know, life goes on, you know, life passes by, you got to enjoy the moment you're in. You really just got to enjoy yeah. it because otherwise you end up looking back at your life going, man, I should have enjoyed that more. I could yeah. have enjoyed that more. Yeah. I can't remember who, who it was. There was, um, I got to get better at remembering things. <laughs> I just hear these anecdotes and then I'm like, I don't know who said this or who they said it to, what the con, but there was, I don't know there was, who said it or who they said it to. Yeah. <laughs> there was uh, a famous, a famous female figure from the 20th century. Okay. Tell you that much. And she was asked if if you had to, if you got to live your life over again, what would you, what would you change or what would you do differently? And she said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I just would have paid more attention. Mm. And there's, and I remember when I first read that and I was just like, that's a nice thought, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) but as time has gone by, I just go, holy shit. That is like it, it's just so that I find that to be so beautiful and so profound in its wisdom that I, I, I really take that more and more 
to heart because we think we have these ideas of what a great moment is, you know, and sometimes our media is default for that. You know, we have, it sells us these ideas of triumph and greatness mm. and whatever. And, you know, so we, we have this filter, this kind of judgment that we place on our lives and what has happened and where we are right now. And then at the same time, I find myself at moments looking back at events in my life and just going, wow, I remember when I, when I stood out on the, on, on that dock on this lake with my friends, nobody knew that we were there except for us, you know, and it was, and it was fucking magnificent. Like it was just, it's burned in my memory. It was more beautiful than any, anything I've ever seen in a movie, you know, or, or, or anything, you mm. know, like in, in, I look, man, my life is full of these, of these extraordinary, intimate human moments. And I go, holy shit, those are, those are mine. Mm. Those are mine. Those like, those are nobody, nobody aside from maybe the other people who are there, <laughs> but those are mine. My experience of it, that's mine. Mm. Nobody else has that except for me. And how can you have any kind of, like, you know, from that context, I'm like, how can I have any judgment over what, what's good and what isn't in my, in my life? I just wish I'd paid more attention to it, right? <laughs> to some of these things, just being like, I, and it just makes me want to go, let me pay more attention to my life right now, to what is so amazing about my life right now, instead of being, wasting energy and wasting time thinking about some idea of where I thought my life was going to be or what I thought it was going to look like, you know, what you think it should, what I think it should be. He's like, what is that even, you know, what is that even? Yeah. It's just a bunch of ideas. And I, and those ideas are never, ever as profound as what is actually happening. And this is something I teach actors in the process that I take them through. It's just like, be here right now. Explore what's happening in this moment with this other person in this scene. And what's going on right now. Because that is so much more interesting, especially when you're really interested in what's happening. Mm. If you're really present, it is so much more fascinating than any idea that you came in with or could possibly come in with. Always, 100% of the time, it is always more interesting. It's always more captivating. It always carries with it so much more, more beauty in it than, than putting some idea of what you think is beautiful into it. I think that's the counterintuitive part of this conversation in a lot of ways, which is that it's, it's in the being present. It's in the being and paying attention that incredible things occur. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the problems we think we have are all solved by simply being present, Mm -hmm. by simply being right here, right now. Like the thousand mile journey, you know, begins beneath your feet. I remember being in my twenties and 
making this project. And I remember waking up one morning and I had not slept or I shouldn't even wake up. I just remember the morning and everybody showed up. And what I had done is laid out everybody's costume on a chair. And I put everything there and, uh, you know, I had the whole day set for shooting and people walked in and they were just, you know, and we went off and it poured torrential rain <laughs> during the shoot. And we were outside the whole time. And, you know, at that time I was making this movie and I was, I was doing this and it was all leading up to making eventually, which became this hundred and 20 plus person show with hundreds of thousand dollars put into it and you know all this you know but that was an incredible moment there's so many incredible moments that day mm -hmm. and you know we shot this scene i'll just share this because these are just moments right but we shot this scene and it's where myself and i was acting in the scene and another character and we are standing by a fire and we're talking about what it meant, what, what life was like, um, essentially for us. We were just opening, we were a couple soldiers, but we were opening up about some things about our fathers and some things about life. Mm -hmm. And the fucking ocean came in so much that it flooded out our fire. Oh, the tide rolled in. <laughs> And the beach, we ran out of time. And, it, you know, it, it, the, the torrential rainstorm had just stopped. Right. But then we had the ocean coming in. Like, everything was going wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we were getting through this shoot. And, you know, it's funny because I look back, because we captured this footage, but we ended up reshooting that scene later. We never used this scene. But I looked back at the footage of us talking. And it was like some of the most authentic acting that I had ever done mm. because we were just in the moment doing it, you know? And I think like there's this kind of like idea that somehow it's going to get better than that. Mm. And like when I, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to be remembering those days. But in my, in my head, I remember like, I mean, I did love that shoot. Don't get me wrong. But I remember so much of just always being like, at that time in my life, just always being like, but when I get here, when this happens, then it, then it's going to be, you know? And yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. We end up missing the life that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's there was so many struggles going on. And you could focus on those problems and focus how everything's going against you and focus how the, le the world is not working out the way you want it to work. Or you could be in the moment and be like, I'm doing what I fucking love right now. I'm doing what I fucking love with all my friends around me and we're making something that everybody said was impossible and we're doing it, you know? And we're just here and we're, we're doing what we set out to do. And that can be your everything. You know, and I think the thing is, is I'm going to just share another story because I feel this is really important. Just a few years previous to that, one of my closest friends, George, he and I were going to make a show together. 21 years old, he got T-boned. Him and another girl, they got T-boned instantly dead. And he and I had all these dreams about all these times we would go and make movies and do all this stuff. 
And you know, there's a part of me at any time I'm on set and I'm making a movie, I always think of him because I think like, you know, as sad as it makes me that he's not here with me, he's given me this appreciation for film and this appreciation to be alive, to be able to do it because he never got that chance and it was his dream, you know? And I think about how quickly life can just be gone. And so like you're in this moment, you know, your, your problems that you have, all this future shit, all this stuff you have to solve, you could be dead and it might never happen. You got to be alive now, you know? And I just, I think that's what I'm really kind of taking away from this talk. I'm just, mm -hmm. it's a reminder. And you know, that territory, like that, that part of the sky that's yours, you got to own that shit because while it's here, it's here. And you just got to yeah. own the shit out of your corner of the sky. And even if nobody's paying attention to you and nobody seems to care, it's your little bit of life that you get to live right now. And you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to even get to live into the future that you're projecting. I'm not saying don't have a future, but, it, but if you can enjoy right now, walking into that future is going to be a lot better. So, you know, that's something I'm really like, I'm going to walk away with that from this conversation because it really is reminding me, you know, that just that mention you, you pointed out about there's like the small character, but like owning that corner of the sky, fuck man. I mean, that is so important and I, and I can get distracted about, you know, I think we all can, but that's why we need to have these conversations, right? Mm -hmm. We need to stop, we need to stop needing to be somewhere other than where we are, you know? And yeah, I mean, times get shitty. You know, not every moment is, is the best moment of your life, but it's the moment you're in and you can work from that moment, mm -hmm. you know, and it's what you got right now. And you know, it, you know, and if anything about life has taught me anything, everything passes the hard moments and the great moments they pass. So, you know, even if you're in a hard moment, take solace in the fact that this too shall pass. But even if you're in a great moment, take concern that this too shall pass, <laughs> you know, because that's, there will be a day where that is not anymore, you know, and it's like, it's like honoring your own, your own death. You know what I mean? Like to recognize that this is a once in a lifetime moment you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really about in some ways enjoying all of it to some extent. As much as you can. As much as you can. And you know, when you're not enjoying it, I think you can, that can be okay. You know, I don't yeah. think everything has to be like, like, I don't think everything has to be this kind of, um, need to be happy all the time and joyful and fulfilled, yeah. you know, like sometimes you can have moments of real sadness and anger and, and frustration and, and just to, to, to allow that to be a part of this journey, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be great, but it's just a part of it. And it gives context to the great moments. Well, I mean, I, in, in a strange, because I think that in acting, acting is kind of a unique type of art form. It, it's a little, it ha, every art form has its own kind of peculiarities to it. Like they're, they're very similar, but some of them have their own kind of unique take on things. And acting is one that gives us some interesting glimpses into some potential, I don't know, truths or realities. Because I know that I've 
per, done performances where I'm going in to a scene playing some part where I'm going through some sort of terrible thing, some sort <laughs> yeah. of some sort of awful thing, you know, like you just running the gamut of just being, you know, betrayed or or just so profoundly sad and sorrowful or, you know, it's any, any number of these things and going on f- and really fully experiencing these emotions. Like they're really happening. Like, like I've got tears coming and they're real fucking tears. And while that's all going on underneath it being like, this is so much fun. <laughs> And you know, I, like, I think, like, sometimes it's only actors that get that, you know, like, I think, like, I think that's one of those things where, like, when you've really done that as an actor, you understand that joy pain. You you really get that because, like, an actor is, like, one of those rare possessions, <laughs> professions where you're called upon to bring up trauma and fucking love what you do at the same time. Like, yeah. it's fucking it's profound that way. Yeah. Not everybody, like I forget sometimes that not everybody gets to experience that, you Mm -hmm. know, like they, they might in other ways, but like we call upon that, like we try to call upon that. Yeah. It's such a fascinating and and have an experience of these different emotions. Yeah. But you know, and I think that if you're doing it right, you're having a good time. Yeah. Because I know that's when I've always done my best work. It's just like, whoa, this is some intense shit going on right now. But man, like I'm on a ride right now. This is exhilarating. And I feel like that can be something that we bring into our own lives. Not to be, uh, not to be like masochists or anything, you know, like not like we're like just loving punishment, but there's a kind of recognition of the moments of our, of our lives and these moments that occur and saying, wow, I feel so alive. You know, this is, this is happening, but also not taking it so seriously. Mm. Cause I think that that's part of what the acting thing brings to it, which is that we know it's play, you know, like we know that this isn't for real. Yeah. And so we kind of allow ourselves a type of enjoyment in it. And there's perhaps a way that we can do that in our lives where we can say, hey, this is just a play. Mm. You know, this is just, this is, this is all for fun, mm. really. And we might be able to have a new take on our experiences, so on, our, on the challenges that we face and we confront and the emotions that we feel. And just have a different kind of relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good points. Yeah. We could continue on and on, but let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this one up. So this beer, I'm actually liking it, man. Me too. I wasn't knowing, I didn't know what I was going to think of this one, but I've been really enjoying this one. Surprising. Like it's a sipping beer for sure. Like this is not a beer that you just put down. Like you just put a bunch of these back, but I could definitely do a couple, couple glasses of these for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been, it's been nice. It's got a nice aroma, a nice flavor. It's definitely, I agree. Definitely a sipping beer, but yeah, it's just very flavorful, you know, and it's very like full, Mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. 
but it's been a nice one. I mean, it's been it's been an enjoyable beer to have as the com- as the conversation goes mm-hmm. on. And this one is, and I just want to again note, we're not sponsored by these people. We just drink beer to fuel the conversation as part of our sort of origins and traditions here. Uh, and this one is from Vancouver Island Brewing since 1984. <laughs> and this is called the Misthorn Winter IPA. So it's got the IPA. So if, if anybody's familiar with that, it's a very, they're stronger. They're kind of very, um, uh, have a lot of citrus, floral kind of things going on in it. But this has this winter element to it. So it's got... It says on your rye spice, cinnamon, and orange. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely taste all of those things yeah. in there. And I've got to say, it's it's I, this, is, uh, this has been a really good one. I've been enjoying all of this. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spread on some good talk. Okay, well, final points. Final points. I After my last rant, I don't know if I have much else else to say on this one you know just just the reminder that to where this where this all began was about this was a story about somebody who wanted their life to be somewhere else than it was at its core and to me it presented a glimpse into something i think we can all relate to we can all relate to wishing something was different in our lives, wishing some, there was some part of our lives that was working out and we feel as if, or think as if, if that was different, our lives would be so much better, so much changed. And not to say that these aren't worthy pursuits. I don't want to put any kind of judgment on, on that level, but Really, for me, this was just a reminder of, look, wherever, where you are right now is, is terrific. Where you are right now is amazing. And don't let this idea, because after all, it's just an idea, because you don't actually know that that's going to make anything any, any better or any different, whatever. You don't know that. And as we've explored, you know, oftentimes we get things that we want and it only just creates new problems or bigger problems. So this was so much about really just becoming present to our lives, to becoming so much more engaged with our lives the way it is now and appreciating that we are, that we're, that, that, that we're here and there's, there's, beauty all around us available to us all the time opportunity all the time for for something extraordinary if we're paying attention Hmm. and to me that's what this this talk was really about and what really stirred up for me i didn't know what we were going to get into really in this conversation um which usually i find that i have some idea you know most of the time what we're kind of going to cover and where we're going to direct it. So this one's been kind of a bit of a journey for me just to kind of have it unfold. And, you know, you brought that awareness, just sharing some stories, brought some awareness to me about, you know, really kind of embracing the, the, the corner of the sky that's mine, the, 
owning my territory, you know, that's the way I phrased it originally. But um, yeah, like, you know, seeing that that's such an important part of just going through life that I am where I am and the best I can do in moving forward and making progress and getting what I want is to really just own where I'm at so that as I go, it, it, in some work, in some ways, the work is done for me by being present, by loving the moment and loving and living this moment, because through living and loving this moment fully, a lot of the problems are solved for me. And I think the thing I would leave people with, which is my kind of awareness from this talk, is that you don't need to notice, mo- you don't need to motivate yourself out of the lack. You could motivate yourself out of the excitement. Mm. You know, and I think that's the thing that I'm recognizing is that, you know, when I'm motivating myself out of lack, I really do sometimes convince myself that the wanting of it, the desire for it, the need for it is what motivates me. But when I really check in, it's actually not really what motivates me. That's more what scares me. What actually motivates me is the excitement, is the, wouldn't it be cool if we went and did this? Wouldn't it be like, what could happen if this happened? You know what I mean? And so there's this kind of more of a curiosity and a wonder and a kind of looking forward to. And I think about, you know, when I've achieved anything in my life, it, most of it has not really come from the lack. It's usually come from a kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? You know, like, wouldn't it be fun? It's more like a childlike kind of like, oh, let's try this almost. You know what I mean? It's not like a, there's not like an incomplete part of it. Like I think about when we made the the film. I mean, even when people were telling me it was impossible, I remember just like not even hearing that and just being like, but it'd be so cool if we did it. Like that was all that was really going on. And it wasn't really so much. I don't really remember it being like, I need to do this to like make my career as much as it was like, this would be so much fun. And I think we can motivate ourselves from a place of like joy and, and fun and excitement as opposed to this kind of, I think we have faulty programming. Whenever we're motivating ourselves from lack, that's not only, not only is that a painful place to motivate yourself from, but I think it's the actual thing that actually makes it a lot harder to get stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, I think with this conversation, I think the last thing I'll leave everybody with is this is not easy work, you know, (laughs) being in the moment, being present, having everything be enough and you'll be okay this is going to come and go. You're going to have moments where this works for you and moments where you're like, ah, I'm so frustrated. I'm so in trouble. I mean, but just look at it as a discipline, as a practice, something you can kind of like refer to and go back to. Um, and don't beat yourself up if you're not a hundred percent with it all the time. It's, you know, this is a work in progress. And I know this because I've been doing this for a long time and I slip out of the moment so easily at times Mm -hmm. but i think if i can say there's any victory for me at this point is i'm more in the moment now than i've ever been and that's a win for me you know and hopefully as life continues i will be more and more in the moment and more and more at peace with the moment and uh, that's what i would impart to anybody is practice that
Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.